by kids, for kids, by kids. They are the Chai Kids. Your host today is Chloe. This is Chai Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Chloe and I'm nine years old. And I'm your host for today. Before we start the interview with Dr. Sherry Fanarov, she is a general practitioner in a private practice. I want to introduce the tongue twister for today. It is truly rural, truly rural, truly rural. I repeat, truly rural, truly rural, truly rural. A bit later, I will count how many times you can say the tongue twist in 10 seconds. So remember to call me on 0101 40 30 20 to see if you can say it faster than me. I have Dr. Sherry Fanarov with me in the studio today. So if you have any questions for her, you can send them on on 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019. Good afternoon, Dr. Fanarov. Hello, Chloe. How are you? Good and you? I'm good, thank you. How many patients do you have? Wow, that's actually really a hard question to estimate. I actually have no idea. I will need to count one day. What's your youngest patient? My youngest patient is actually a baby who was born about two weeks ago, so two weeks old. That's pretty young. I see patients from when they are born until when they are really old. So I see I am actually a family physician, which means that I look after families. So I see the tiniest of babies. I see their big brothers and sisters. I see their mommies and daddies. I often see their cousins. And sometimes I see the bobbers and the zaders and the great-grandparents too. That's a long way back. What made you decide to be a family doctor? So when I was at school, I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do, but I was always interested in biology and science and the human body. I always found that quite interesting. And I also liked helping people. And I also really loved reading and learning about different things. So I decided to do medicine. And medicine is something that keeps you busy all the time because you have to keep up to date with medical knowledge, you have to read journals, you have to know what's happening around the world, and you get to help people and you get to meet lots of families and help people when they're sick and when they really need a bit of extra help and support and care. Who is your oldest patient? My oldest patient, I think, is about 94. That's pretty old. What did you study to become a doctor? So to do medicine, I was very fortunate to study in South Africa because we really still have great medical training in our country. So I went to WITS to study, and it takes six years to study to become a doctor. You do a course called an MBBCH, and then when you finish doing your medicine course, you have to do an internship, which is where you are kind of a student doctor in the hospital. And then after that, you have to do community service, which is generally a year or two years. So all in all, it takes about nine years to become a doctor. What does MBBCA stand for? 
So it's the Latin that means Bachelor of Medicine and Surgery. So if you say those words in Latin, it's that, that's what it stands for. Good, que good question. Okay, thank you. That's interesting as well. Um, how long did you study for? I studied for six years, and then I did my internship. When I finished medical school, which is quite a long time ago, I graduated in 1996. We didn't actually have to do community service in those days. I think I was one of the last years to not have to do it. So after I finished medical school, I still worked in a government hospital for a couple of years. And then I actually wanted to specialize to be a specialist physician, and I actually started that. And then I decided that I didn't really love working in the hospitals. And I started to do locums as a GP, a general practitioner, and I found that, that that was really interesting, so I started to do that. And I worked in a practice that's quite similar to mine today, and we saw lots of family patients, and I really enjoyed that side of it. So I decided that I was going to do a course called a Master's in Family Medicine. And that, at that time, was a three-year course, and I had to also do a thesis. But during that time, I had my children... And I was very busy with my babies, and I was working. So it actually took me about eight years to finish my master's and actually get my master's in family medicine. And in fact, by the time I graduated, both my kids came with to the graduation, which was quite fun. That's interesting. Why do doctors go to school for such a long time? Well, there really is a lot to learn. There's lots to learn about the human body, there's lots to learn about all the different sicknesses and all the illnesses there are, and also how to treat them, how to approach people, how to make a diagnosis, how to take a good history from the patient, how to know what medicines to prescribe. And there are hundreds and thousands of medicines that you have to learn how do they work in the body, all the chemical reactions, all the physical reactions that they have, and, and that's why I said earlier, it's actually lifelong learning because there's always something new. There's always something that we don't know. And we have to often ask other doctors for some input or refer to specialists. And that's why it's, it takes such a long time. We never stop learning as doctors. That's interesting. Was it difficult to become a doctor? So it is difficult, Chloe, because... The work is quite hard at university and there's lots of different subjects. You have to study anatomy and physiology and microbiology and biochemistry. In fact, my, my oldest child, my daughter, is studying medicine. She's just started this year. She's actually studying at UCT, although I studied at FITS. And she is finding it lots of work. And she's actually finding the hardest subject she's doing this year is something called biochemistry. And in biochemistry, they break down cells and illnesses into the very tiniest little atoms and see how things work like that. So it is, it is hard. It's lots of studying. And then when you are working as an intern or as a, a junior house officer in the hospital, you work really, really long hours. And it's it's quite tough to get through that. We used to work when I was an intern, week possibly up to 110 hours a week. 
that's a really long time. Mm. And what do all of those subjects mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'll tell you a few of them because you probably need to go to high school to at least learn what they all mean. But so I, I think some that I mentioned, anatomy is the study of the human body. So when you're studying that at medical school, you actually get a cadaver. Do you know what a cadaver is? No. <laughs> a cadaver is a dead body. So this sounds a bit, a, a bit macabre and hard to understand, but you actually get a dead body between some students, and you actually examine that body. You actually look inside, and you see how the brain works and how things work inside the heart, and you actually study a real human body in anatomy to see how things work. And then in physiology, you you study how all the little parts work inside the body. So you look under, in microbiology, you look in a microscope so you can see all the cells that make up all the systems, and that's what you study with that. Okay, that's interesting. Can doctors in South Africa treat everything that well everything so different doctors specialize in different fields and all specialists and all different kinds of doctors become experts at what they do what i do which is a general practitioner i actually think is quite hard because we don't know what's wrong with the patient when they come in so they come in maybe with chest pain and i have to decide okay is this patient having a heart attack or did they hurt a muscle? Or is there something wrong with their lungs? And do they need to have a heart investigation and see a heart doctor? Or do they just need an anti-inflammatory for a muscle pain? Or do I need to do an x-ray to see if there's something wrong with their lungs? So you have to get good at working out what is wrong with people. Sounds like a hard job, and it probably is. Where do we get the medicine from? So usually when you go to the doctor, the doctor will write a prescription on a piece of paper with their name, and it's quite a formal little letter that they write, and then the patient will take the prescription and they will go to the pharmacy, and the pharmacist will see what medicine the doctor has prescribed, and they will put the medicine into packets and explain to the patient how to take all the medication. How does a doctor know the amount of medication to give the patient? Well, that's one of the things that you have to learn because you have to know the correct dose. If I give you something like Panado, I need to know that it's okay to give you two Panados every six hours. But if you're a little person like you are, maybe you only need one Panado because two Panados might be too much. So that's part of what we learn at medical school and that's in a subject called pharmacology that you learn about all the different medicines and the, the we call medicines drugs although they're not street drugs so they're good drugs and you have to work out how they work in the body and the correct doses that you can give safely that's interesting and yes I still only take half a panado can you swallow a panado or do yes, you take the syrup? I can't swallow it. That's really good. Well done. Some kids that are even bigger than you can't swallow tablets and they still are like 12 and 13 and they say, oh, Dr. Sherry, can I rather have that syrup that tastes nice because I don't want to swallow a pill. Yeah, I really don't think that tastes nice at all. <laughs>
can you work as a doctor anywhere in the world? So with our South African qualification, we can only really work in South Africa. So many doctors will write exams that also allow us to work in America or to work in the UK. If you want to leave the country, you generally have to write exams to help you to qualify to work in that country. But South African doctors are really well-respected and well-liked everywhere in the world because we have the amazing opportunity to experience patients in hospitals like at Baragwanath Hospital where we see really lots of interesting cases and more trauma cases than they probably see in many other countries. So we really are well qualified in South Africa. How long have you been a doctor? So I need to count to work that out, but I graduated in 1996 and now it's 2022. So can you help me with that maths? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> How many years is that? I don't know. <laughs> Let me think. So I've been qualified for about 26 years. But I've been practicing as a general practitioner for about 20 years. So most of the time you've been a general practitioner. That's right. What inspired you and made you want to become a doctor? So growing up, my dad was a pharmacist. So he worked in a chemist and he used to give out medication and People really used to like to come to him for advice and he used to give really good advice to patients. And I think that that was one of the reasons that I was interested in doing medicine. We have an SMS from Kelsey. Hi Chloe, please can you ask Dr. Sherry why do doctors write funny? Is it taught at school? <laughs> so. So that's a really funny question, Kelsey. So it's really well known that doctors have bad handwriting, and I have to admit my handwriting is not very good either. So it's not that we taught that. I think we just rush and we write quite quickly. And actually I remember that when I was at school, we used to call it standard two in those days. I was in grade four. I got a detention for bad handwriting. And it was the only thing I ever got a detention for because I was quite a goody two-shoes at school and I was so upset. I went home crying because I got a detention for bad handwriting. That sounds a bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> In our school, we get detentions for throwing each other around and violence and stuff like that. Oh, my goodness. School's changed a lot since I was there. Yeah. Thank you, Kelsey, for the question. Do you enjoy being a doctor? I do enjoy it because I find every day is different and challenging and really interesting. And I enjoy interacting with patients and I feel happy when I'm able to help them. And sometimes I feel sad when patients are sick, but I do enjoy my job. What's the worst part of being a doctor? The worst part, I would say, is the responsibility that you feel because you can never really ever switch off. You always need to be available. So I find that's the most challenging part. What happens if you have a, pa a patient today and you have to go home? So 
It's a difficult question to answer. So I'm quite lucky in that I actually work based at home. So sometimes if I see a patient in the morning and then they're sick later and they need to be reassessed, I might tell them to come back, even if it's at 7 or half past 7 or 8 o'clock. And it's quite easy for me because I have my office at home, so I can just pop into the office and have a look at them. But that's what I was saying. You never really switch off. Sometimes patients are sick and it's 11.30 at night and you still have to be responsible for them. Yeah, I'd be fast asleep by then. What are the most common problems that patients come to you with? So in it, it, I would say it depends on the time of the year. Right now it's springtime, so we see lots of allergies, um, lots of colds and flus. Um, other things that we see are things like runny tummies and sore tummies and headaches and joint pains, um, lots of psychological problems like stress and depression and anxiety, uh, sometimes urinary problems, sometimes neurological problems, which means nerve or brain problems. There's really, it, it, it's so broad. We can see patients who come in with any problems. What do you do if a child is scared? So usually I would want to know why is that child scared? Are they scared maybe because they don't know what's going to happen at the doctor? Are they scared because they think the doctor's maybe going to hurt them? Or are they scared because they're just a scared child? So I would try and find out why is that child scared? And I would, I would try and talk to the child directly, not just to their parents. I would look at them. And I would say, hey, Chloe, what's worrying you today? Why are you so scared? And maybe you'd say to me, um, I really don't want to have an injection today. And then I would try and explain to you that if we did need to do an injection, exactly what we're going to do and that it might hurt, but only for a second. And we would look at ways to make it not so bad. So maybe we could put some anesthetic cream on so it wouldn't be so sore. Maybe you could play a game on your phone or on my phone. Maybe you could have a lollipop or something like that. So we we just try and comfort the kids and keep them calm because it's actually not so scary coming to the doctor most times. What's the most difficult part of your job? Um, I think it's making a diagnosis because when somebody comes in with, say, a headache... I need to think, okay, is this headache because the person is stressed or is the headache because maybe they didn't eat and their sugar is low or maybe they're dehydrated or maybe their blood pressure's high or maybe they hurt their neck when they were playing rugby. So it's really a little bit like being a detective and you have to ask the patient lots of questions about their history and do lots of investigations so that you can make a diagnosis. Sounds like a lot of work just to describe someone, but can you treat people with any kinds of diseases? So not all diseases are treatable, but most diseases you can do something for. So I think that it, it, um, probably the answer to that is yes, we can treat people with most things. What do you do with a, st a stethoscope and how does it help? 
A stethoscope is basically a tube that fits into the doctor's ears, and then it has a long pipe that has um, something called a bell and a diaphragm on the end, and that's the round part of the stethoscope. So when you put that part, which is always really cold, on the patient's chest, you, it amplifies the sounds. In other words, it makes what you are listening to much louder. So you can use your stethoscope to listen to how the heart sounds. So when you listen to the heart, it sounds like lub-dub, lub-dub, lub-dub. Whereas if I was just going to put my ear on your chest, I wouldn't be able to hear the heart beating so nicely. Or you can listen to breathing and you can hear air going in and out of the lungs. Or you can even put the stethoscope on somebody's tummy and you can hear their tummy making a sound. Or if a lady's pregnant, you can put the stethoscope on the mom's pregnant tummy and you can actually hear the baby's heartbeat. Did you know that? But it isn't touching the baby's heart. It's not, but that's the amazing thing about the stethoscope. It makes the sounds much louder so that you can even hear the baby's heartbeat inside the mom. So baby's heartbeats are stronger than ours. So I wouldn't say stronger. You can hear the mom's heartbeat and you can hear the baby's heartbeat. So the, and the stethoscope's a really old invention. It's one of the oldest medical inventions to make sounds louder because in the really old days, a doctor would have to put their head right up on the patient's chest. And you can see how that might be a little bit awkward for the patient. You don't really want the doctor's ear sitting on your tummy or on your chest to listen to your heart. So the stethoscope makes the sound louder and it puts a little bit of space between the doctor and the patient. Yeah, I can tell. What other instruments do you use? I use something called an otoscope, which is that silver metal torch that I can look into your ears with or your nose or your throat and that lights things up. I use an ophthalmoscope, which is similar to the otoscope, but it's got a different attachment and that's to look into patients' eyes. I use a patella hammer, and that's the thing that kind of knocks on your knee and it makes your knee jerk to test reflexes. I use a pulse oximeter. Uh, lots of people know what a pulse oximeter is from COVID. That's the little instrument, like a little calculator that you put on your finger and it tells how fast your heart is beating and it also tells what your oxygen is. We use something called a sphygmomanometer. Do you know what that could be? Nope, no so idea. <laughs> a sphygmomanometer is actually a blood pressure machine, and that's the machine that you put around the person's arm, and then you you pump it up, and then you have to listen to hear the blood pressure beats. I just called it a pumpy thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it that from tomorrow, a pumpy thing. <laughs> so on that note, let's take a quick song break, and we will be right back. Hi, kids. For kids, by kids. They are the High Kids. Your host today is Chloe. This is High Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Chloe and I'm nine years old. Before I carry on with my interview with Dr. Sherry Fanerov, I'm going to remind you what the tongue twister it is. is it is truly rural, truly rural, truly rural. Are you ready to, for the guest the song for today? It is...
Send your SMS to 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019 if you know what the song is and stand a chance to call in studio to send a shout-out to your friends in school. Also, if you have any questions for Dr. Sherry Fanarov, you can send an SMS to 34519 or telegram to 061-895-1019 or call on 0101403020. Now let me carry on with my questions. Why do you wear gloves while examining? We don't always wear gloves. It depends on what we're doing. So actually, sometimes it's better to wash your hands really well and sterilize your hands, and then you can use clean hands to examine the patient. But if you're doing a procedure that might involve blood um, or, or something like that that might get your hands dirty, then it's better to wear gloves to protect both yourself from getting any blood on you or to protect the patient from getting your germs on the patient. So actually gloves serve the purpose both ways. That's interesting. What's the best way to bring down a temperature? It depends on the age of the person. So I'm going to talk about maybe a toddler, so like a little two-year-old to four-year-old. So generally you can try natural ways of doing it. You can sponge them down with a wet cloth. You can put them under a fan. You can take off warm clothes. And then often we do need medication. So generally first line medication is something like Panado or Calpol. The trade name, the, the actual name for that is paracetamol. And if that doesn't work, you might want to add in an anti-inflammatory. So maybe something like Nurofen. Sometimes really high temperatures, you can use a suppository, which is a little tablet thing that goes into the child's bottom. Interesting. Do you have any funny stories that happened to you? As a doctor, oh, I have funny stories every day because sometimes patients just make me laugh and they will come and show me something that makes them really embarrassed, like maybe they've got a rash in a place that they think is embarrassing, and then we just laugh about it and we carry on. Can salt water help with healing wounds? I think salt water is going to actually be very stinging, stingy on wounds, so it's not something that I use. I think it's too sore for open wounds. But we do use salt water, like if you've got a sore in your mouth, maybe you can rinse out your mouth with salt water. It can help for that. I think they're better things to use. What does the treatment RICE stand for? RICE stands for something that you would use if you are treating an injury, so like maybe a twisted ankle. So the R from RICE stands for rest, so you want to rest that twisted ankle. The I is for ice. You can put ice packs on it for a 14 minutes or so, a few times a day. The C of rice means compress, which means that you're going to put on a bandage or some kind of a brace to give it support. And the E means elevate. Elevate means lift it up. So that's what rice stands for. Now for some riddles. When is a doctor most annoyed? Am I meant to answer that? <laughs> when they are asked annoying riddles. 
when she's out of patience. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Chloe. Did you hear the riddle about the coronavirus? Never mind, I don't want to spread it around. Why did the doc? What did the doctor say to the tonsil? I have no idea. You look so cute. I think I'll take you out. <laughs> That's a good one, Chloe. Very funny. If an apple a day keeps the doctor away, what will an onion do? An onion will cause stinky breath, and it will keep all your friends away too. It will keep everyone away. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's been so interesting, and I hope you learned as much as I did. Let's take a quick song break, and when we return, I will count how many times you can say the tongue twister in ten seconds. You can call now on o one o one forty thirty twenty. Hi, kids. For kids, by kids. They are the Chai Kids. Your host today is Chloe. This is Chai Kids, for kids, by kids. My name is Chloe, and I'm nine years old. Are you ready for the tongue twister? This is how it works. You can call us on o one o one forty thirty twenty, and I will count how many times you can say the tongue twister in ten seconds. Just a reminder: the tongue, the guess, the song challenge is. You can send your answers to three four five one nine or Telegram o six one eight nine five one o one nine. You can call now on o one o one forty thirty twenty to see if you can say the tongue twister faster than me. Wussy, start the timer. Truly rural, truly rural, truly rural, truly rural, truly. Rural, truly rural, truly rural, truly rural, truly rural, truly rural. <laughs> we have a caller. Hi. Hello. What's your name? Rafi. How was school? Good. Do you want to do the tongue twister? Yes, please. Do you know it? Yes. Truly rural, 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 truly rural. You said it twelve times. Well done. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Bye. Does Sherry Fanerov want to do it? Sure. I don't think I can beat twelve though. That's quite hard. Should I try? Yes. Okay. Tell me when to start. Go. Truly rural. 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 You said it seventeen times. Well done. On that note, let's take a song break. Hi, kids. For kids, by kids. They are the Hi Kids. Your host today is Chloe. This is Hi Kids. 
Four kids, five kids. My name is Chloe and I'm nine years old. Do we have any callers for the Guess the Song Challenge? If not, I will give you the correct answer. The answer is, drum roll please. The Circle of Life from The Lion King. The first answer was from Ella. Well done for trying. This has been Chai Kids, Four Kids, by Kids. My name is Chloe and I'm nine years old. Thank you to my guest, Dr. Sherry Fanarov, for coming on my show, my producer, Senna, and Vusi and for pushing the big red buttons. Join us next week for another Chai Kids show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. Bye.